0: Hey all, and welcome back. We went offline for slightly longer than expected, but we're returning with a new run of episodes just in time for the new school year. Oh, school. Oh well. On with the show! I'm recording this on the sort of day that's begun to seem normal here in Ireland. It started crazy windy, then it rained, now the sun's shining. Keeping track of the weather day to day is increasingly difficult. And this was proven all summer long. What did you make of it?
1: I think it was fairly not raining. It was quite changeable. The last summer
2: hasn't been great in Ireland. It was incredibly rainy and gloomy compared to every other country getting terrible heat waves. Like I think more than ever we're seeing the impacts of the climate crisis obviously and in the extreme temperatures, and including in Ireland as well, the flooding we're experiencing. And In other countries, it was a bit too hot, like global warming. It's been horrible. I know people in Italy whose neighbours' houses have set on fire and they've had to evacuate. I know people in Pakistan who've had much worse times. It's terrifying. I think that the majority of people here today would agree that it's terrifying. Last summer, for example, we saw the hottest summer ever on record. The summer before that was the hottest summer ever on record, and it's slowly and slowly become hotter and hotter every summer. I've never seen it this bad ever. It's getting out of hand, to be honest. In some countries, it was like 40 degrees when it really shouldn't have been at all. This summer, we saw major flooding in Slovenia. We saw fires in Canada and Spain. We're seeing flooding in many areas of the world. And we're seeing this slowly and slowly become more and more extreme.
0: This extreme weather has become such a regular occurrence that our news can hardly keep up. Southern Europe is bracing for record
2: temperatures in the coming days as a heat wave continues. We're told temperatures could hit 45 degrees Celsius in Spain in the coming days. People have died in wildfires in Hawaii. We are preparing for the hurricane. There's little sign of international aid arriving five days after catastrophic floods in the east of the country. The beginning of July marked the planet's hottest week in recorded history. The fact that we are seeing more and more of this
3: record-breaking event is not just a random event, it's part of a pattern. And we will see more of this event with, with climate change.
1: And as a young
0: person, it can feel really troubling.
1: It actually makes me feel extremely anxious sometimes. When I think about it, like, I think eco-anxiety isn't covered enough as a topic. Like, I think definitely in the younger generations, like, it will be a more prominent and a topic to come because you feel like you can't do anything about it. Like, you can go to protests and stuff, but, like, you're not empowered, like, to make the big decisions that need to be done.
0: I know Lucy's not on her own. We can all feel a little adrift when thinking about our weather and what it says about the climate crisis. So, today, we thought we'd try and make some sense of it. We headed to the Botanic Gardens on another wet day a few weeks back to meet a person who knows a lot about the
3: subject. So my name is Noel Fitzpatrick. I work for MetAaron. I'm a research meteorologist, so I look at things like how we use satellites to look at the weather, and I'm also very interested in climate change, and I also present the MetAaron podcast.
0: So these days, Noel works day-to-day discussing our weather and the climate. But when did it first grab him?
3: I was always a kid that was interested in the weather, particularly things like thunderstorms, anything a bit more exciting. I always loved interested like photography as well so it would always be like taking pictures of clouds or sunsets things like that and then in terms of like a moment i remember sitting down the first time i watched the movie twister and seeing these scientists having an incredibly exciting time studying the weather and thinking wow that's what i want to do It was a mixture of kind of a general curiosity about the weather and then the idea that science and the study of science could be something that was so exciting. So that's what really got me into it initially. And then I suppose as a teenager, I started to hear more and more about climate and it became really clear that it was something that would be defining of a generation that, that would need work and research and it's something that i wanted to get involved in so it's really something that i've been interested in since i was a kid and uh, i've kind of pursued it all the way through college and, and through my career
0: how many of you have had a granny or a parent tell you that they can predict the weather maybe because of the way the wind is blowing or how high the clouds are in the sky because there are lots of old wives tales that are used to show our understanding of the weather
3: For a few, all right, I know there's one about uh, the cows. If the cows are sitting down in the field, that it's going to rain. That one I quite like. I don't think there's any truth to it, but I wouldn't be sort of too harsh on some of these old sayings because these were how people understood and observed the weather before we had ways of more accurately measuring and predicting it. So in some of them, there is truth to them. Even things like, for example, red sky at night, shepherds delight red sky in the morning, shepherds warning. You know, that's very location-specific but in certain places that can hold true. It can mean, you know, there's an approach of a high-pressure system which usually brings us good weather or it can mean that there's a, a storm coming. So there is some truth to them. We actually did an episode of, of the MetAaron podcast sort of uh, dissecting some of those old old sayings, if your listeners want to listen to that one. But I, I think the initial sort of weather people were just people who were out every day, maybe farmers or sailors, and were observing the weather every day. And these were the patterns that they were seeing. And this this helped them to understand the weather a little bit more. So I think there is some truth in them but we've kind of moved on from them.
0: Phew, glad to hear it. So, if we're not using cows to predict the weather, how's Matt Aaron doing it these days?
3: So. We start with wanting to observe what the atmosphere, what the weather is doing right now. So we use things like weather stations, satellites in space that look at our weather, marine buoys out in the ocean. And all these various things are gathering information telling us what the weather is doing right now. And then we take that information and we put it into really powerful computers. So some of the most powerful computers in the world are used for weather forecasting. And we have weather models which take the picture of what the weather is like right now and they advance it forward in time to predict what it will be like in the future. And then our forecasters will look at what those weather models are showing, and they will interpret that model information to say how the weather will be in Ireland, say, over the next week or so.
0: As this summer has shown, the weather seems to become more unpredictable. And I wonder, does this present a different challenge for meteorologists?
3: So... We certainly couldn't rely on maybe old expectations or patterns from the past if we were trying to forecast our weather in that way, because they have certainly changed. But in terms of how we predict the weather now, we don't really rely on looking at past trends so much. So we really try and understand how the different processes in the atmosphere interact to cause our weather and we use computers to simulate that. So we're not so much relying on maybe trends in the past or what the weather would normally do this time of the year. We, we try and just go with what the atmosphere is showing us right now, and we use physics to advance that in time. So, but as mentioned, we can't make assumptions that we may have been able to make before because some of the patterns that we, that we have in our weather have changed with time because of climate change.
0: Never have I felt closer to being right in the middle of the climate crisis than we have over this past summer.
1: We saw this summer was the hottest summer on record, floods in India, fires in Greece, like there's quite a lot of evidence, people just have to open their eyes and see it.
0: And there is a real difference between something that we live through as opposed to something that feels distant. From excessive temperatures all across Europe and Asia, right through to North America and the devastating forest fires, We have definitely seen far more extreme weather and happening in really quick succession. But exactly what is an extreme weather event?
3: So essentially an extreme weather event is where you have substantially or significantly different conditions from what the average or expected conditions would be for that time. For example, in Ireland, uh, a heat wave, we define a heat wave as five or more days where the maximum temperature of the day was, was more than 25 degrees. Now, say if that was to occur in the south of Spain or Central America or something, that would not be an extreme. So what is class as extreme varies from location to location.
0: Okay, and we're not wrong to say that we're seeing a lot more of them, right?
3: Yeah, so we are seeing more extreme events. Essentially, it's an increase in energy in the atmosphere and in the climate system. So we're adding large amounts of heat, not only into our atmosphere, but into our oceans. And that acts as a fuel for our atmosphere and for our climate system. So this can add to extreme events. It also can lead to a shift in the normal weather patterns that we are used to. So when you have a shift in weather patterns, those changes, because you know either our environmental systems or our sort of human societal systems aren't used to those changes, they can be an extreme event for us. So it's both a, an increase in energy and it's a change in the normal conditions that we're used to.
0: So these changes are ones we've witnessed in what feels like a very short time. But climate is something we're used to changing slowly. How do changing trends tell us the story of our planet?
3: You have to consider that the climate is a very variable system. So if you're only looking at it in short time periods, you will see a lot of variability and you mightn't pick out the overall change or the overall trend. So generally we look at it in 30-year blocks. So that gives us enough time to see changes, lots of variability within that, but we'll also see the overall pattern. So actually very recently Metairn released the latest 30-year climate averages from 1991 to 2020. And then if we compare those, say, with the previous 30 years, we can see things like, for example, the temperature in Ireland on average has increased by about 0.7 degrees Celsius. We've also seen uh, our rainfall increase by about 7%. So that's only just comparing those two 30-year periods. You know, Changes then globally since human-caused climate change has started, we, we sort of associate that with the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, which was 1850 or so. That's when we started using fossil fuels and combustion engines and things like that. Since then, the globe has seen a a temperature increase of about 1.1, 1.2 degrees Celsius. So that's something that we're also very uh, interested in globally.
0: That 1.1 or 1.2 degrees Celsius might seem like a small amount. The Paris Agreement, were it to be followed correctly, was all about trying to limit our global warming to no more than 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels. But what does that number mean? What does 1.5 degrees of warming mean to you?
2: Uh, Well, for most people, it's just a number. It doesn't mean too much, but... It's the number for us here today, especially, that we need to stay below. We have a goal in mind and we have a specific threshold that we cannot cross over.
1: Everything is just so precise at an exact temperature that like, literally tipping it slightly will like disrupt everything. Like,
2: We will not be
1: able to decrease the intensity of the weather
2: events that are happening that are very extreme. So we need to be aiming to aim under 1.5 degrees of warming so that we ensure that In the future, there will still be effects because of climate change, but they will not be as extreme and they won't impact as many people. This is the only way we can save our planet.
0: So I think it's about readdressing the balance, putting things that are imbalanced back in sync.
3: The first thing to say is that our climate system is linked with so many other systems in the Earth. So whether it's the ecology, it's the oceans, it's our snow and ice and all the different sort of natural systems that make up the Earth. And they're all very finely balanced and have this relationship with the climate. So even very small changes can have big impacts. The other really important thing to note is that when we talk about these small changes in temperature, you know, even say like 1.1 degrees or 1.5 or the difference between those, it doesn't sound like a lot, but we're talking about a global average. So that's the average change of the temperature on the planet. But there are parts of the Earth that are far more sensitive to climate change and their temperatures have already increased substantially. So there are parts of the Arctic that have increased by four or five degrees already. And they will continue to increase at a faster rate. So even a small fraction of a degree in the average temperature of the Earth will lead to several degrees increase in the temperature of places that are very, very sensitive.
0: Those places that are very sensitive are where people who are most affected live. MAPA, as you know, is a term to describe the most affected people in areas, oftentimes located in the global south. But over the past few years, the extreme heat that seems to go hand-in-hand with the climate crisis has spread. Just a few days ago, NASA confirmed that summer 2023 was the hottest our planet has ever been since records began in 1880. Even places known to suffer from extreme heat are breaking records. Death Valley in California reached almost 55 degrees this year. Parts of Sicily hit 48. When you think about the fact that our body temperature sits around 37 degrees, you begin to understand how much this heat impacts both humans and other creatures. So what's driving these heat waves?
3: just purely looking at the weather you have high pressure systems we get these in ireland as well it's essentially when when we get weather that's calm it's sunny we don't have much rain that's usually a high pressure weather system and what's happened is we have these high pressure systems sitting over parts of europe parts of north america and also parts of china and they're very very stationary they're not really moving basically the sun is heating up these areas during the day day in day out because there isn't much cloud The air isn't moving. It's a bit like putting the lid on on the top of a pot. The heat is just building up, building up day after day. So you're getting very, very hot conditions there. That's what's happening on sort of a weather or a meteorological kind of side of things. In terms of the climate then, these heatwave events are both becoming more extreme and more frequent because of climate change. For example, the heatwave that is taking place in China, if we had no human-caused climate change, That would be an event that would occur on average about once every 250 years. Because of human-caused climate change, it's now a one-in-five-year event. So we've increased the frequency that these things can occur. And as I mentioned, we've also increased the intensity of them when they do occur. For example, the heat wave in Europe, if we didn't have human-caused climate change, on average, the heat waves would be about 2.5 degrees Celsius cooler. So we're both increasing how often they happen and how hot they are when they happen.
0: Some people might question why it's a bad thing for the world to be a little bit warmer. And on a cold, wet, miserable day in Ireland, that would have been understandable. But one bit of extreme weather we've seen a lot less of in the last 10 years is snow. And that's something Noel knows quite a bit about.
3: I've always found the link between our climate and the planet's snow and ice really, really interesting. Snow and ice plays a very important role in terms of regulating the temperature of our planet. So if you think about wearing a white t-shirt on a hot day, you're going to be cooler than if you wear a black t-shirt because you're not absorbing as much heat from the sun. And snow and ice kind of does the same thing for our planet. It's bright, it's very reflective, and reflects a lot of the energy and light coming in from the sun. If you're melting more of that and reducing that, the planet is able to absorb more heat and more energy from the sun. It warms up and this causes even more snow and ice to melt and then the planet absorbs more sunlight and it's this kind of vicious cycle that you get into. So it's called a climate feedback. It's one of the reasons why, for example, the Arctic is warming as fast as it is. And then you also consider the local importance of things like snow and ice. For example, glaciers in mountainous areas like the Himalayas or in places like Canada and North America, they depend on melt water from glaciers for drinking for generating electricity through hydropower the streams require water for the fish that live there and then all the animals that feed off the fish and all the ecology in those systems so a loss of those glaciers will be detrimental not only to the humans living in that area but also to the wider environmental systems i spent uh, almost five years in canada and i ran a research project in the mountains of british columbia so the canadian rockies essentially and I would go around installing weather stations on glaciers in those mountains and looking at how different weather patterns were causing the glaciers to melt and then trying to get a better understanding of how that might change in the future with climate change. I also got to travel to the Arctic and spend some time there doing the same research and Alaska and places like that. So these are very important and they're also beautiful places to spend time. So even for that reason alone, it's worth protecting them. Five years is a short time in in climate scales, but even within that window, I was repeatedly returning to the same glaciers, and I could see the changes just in those few years. You could see how much the ice was retreating back from the front, so they were sort of crawling back up the valley almost, and you could see that the glaciers were thinning. So pretty striking even just in that short period then in terms of like using climate models to see how will those glaciers behave in the future. So I was obviously looking at the glaciers in Canada and, and the kind of the general consensus was that up to 80% of those glaciers will be gone by the end of the century. And that's just not confined to Canada. It's the same situation here in Europe where we have lots of glaciers and we have communities that depend on that water. It's similar again, you're talking about 80, 85% of all ice on those glaciers will be gone by the end of this century. This becomes really important when you think of areas that depend on water. So for example, the Himalayas, over a billion people depend on the water that come from glaciers in the Himalayas. And you're looking at wide scale loss of those glaciers by the end of that century. And that will be a loss of essentially a really important water reservoir for those people.
0: So that's more evidence of those more affected people in areas. I wonder why it is that Ireland has the climate we have. What makes our experience so different?
3: We are located right on the edge of the Atlantic Ocean. And the ocean is a great moderator of our climate. As you might know, water has something called a very high specific heat capacity. And essentially what that means is that it can absorb a lot of energy without changing temperature. So it means that it sort of stays a similar temperature all year round. And similarly enough, our weather is quite similar all year round. It doesn't get too hot. It doesn't get too cold. In terms of our climate, Ireland has warmed about the same rate as the global average. We're not isolated from the effects of climate change, but it means that we we don't quite see the same extremes that countries that already have extreme weather, they are going to see sort of a magnification of those extremes.
0: When extreme weather isn't affecting you or how you live your life, you can put it out of your mind. Don't look at social media about the climate, avoid the news, and just keep on going about your daily life, which I totally understand. But knowing that there are people in other parts of the world who are being affected right now makes me think hard about how lucky we've been so far.
1: Well, we're really privileged, I guess, here that we're not really seeing the devastating effects yet, but in the few years to come, like we will also get stuff as well. It's going to affect all of us. Climate change isn't something that's going
2: to just affect certain people. Eventually, it will affect everyone. Like We need to see this as an urgent situation. We need to all get organised. Young people, students, workers, we all need to fight back. I think everyone should care, especially if it doesn't directly affect you, because eventually those events are also going to impact where you live as well. I lived in Australia for a few years when I was younger and in 2019 I went back to visit my friends and I happened to be there during the bushfires so that had a massive impact on me and my activism because I saw firsthand the effects of the climate crisis and that it was happening now. So I think that it really shows that climate change is happening now that we really have to do something about it this moment. And even if it's not affecting you right now, Morally speaking, you have to think, if you were in that situation, how awful that is.
0: It's terrible, and with every news story that describes the disastrous impacts extreme weather events from human-made climate change are happening across the globe, it feels even closer. But what impacts are we likely to see in Ireland in the near future?
3: The first thing to say is that... On a very basic level, we will be impacted. As mentioned, Ireland is is in quite a moderate climate, but our climate is still going to change. We will see warmer weather conditions. Our rainfall patterns will change. We're going to see more sort of extreme wet events. And opposite to that, we're also going to have more dry drought events as well. And we're also going to see a reduction in the number of cold days in winter. And that might sound like a good thing, but there is a purpose to those cold days you know our our environmental systems our ecology depend on your frost days and things like that as part of their natural cycles so that is important so we won't be insulated from the physical effects we also have sea level rise which will affect everywhere with the coastline and ireland obviously has lots of coastline we've already seen about 22 centimeters or so of sea level rise half of that is because water expands when it gets warm and the other half is because of melting glaciers and ice sheets We expect to see that increase by a minimum of up to about half a metre by the end of this century. And if the ice sheets melt quicker than we expect, that could be substantially more. So that will affect Ireland because, as I said, we have such an extensive coastline and we have communities on the coastline. That's kind of the physical effects. What we won't be insulated from either are the effects on communities all around the world, places where it is already difficult to live. So places where maybe it's already too hot or too dry to grow food or too hot to work. These places are going to become more and more inhospitable, and people looking for a better life and looking for somewhere they can live are going to want to move to better places. You're going to see an increase in migration, an increase in potentially conflicts over water, and all these will be felt across the globe. You know, we won't be insulated from that. We will obviously, Ireland will want to help people as best they can, but you're going to see increases in tension, increases in What we call sort of geopolitical issues related to climate change and nowhere in the world will be insulated from that and also we don't want to see people in those communities suffering either so ireland we will feel the physical effects but the biggest impact will be those sort of geopolitical humanitarian impacts
0: ireland has a history of being a kind and quite charitable country this might seem changed in a small way in the past few years with people on the internet seeming far more divided than people in neighborhoods like the one i live in But when things come closer to home they get real all of this feels really urgent and that's because it is the news can be overwhelming but it's also fuel to start us acting and acting fast
3: i guess it's important initially to be honest about the situation you know often the news that you hear related to climate is 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 not great it's not good news and, and it's important to recognize that we are in a challenging situation and that we need to face it head on it's also important to understand that we can make a difference that we can meaningfully impact how our planet will look by the end of this century there are changes that we can make now that will reduce the impact of climate change it's a bit like if you were to come home and you saw that a fire had started in your house you're not just going to say okay that's it the house is done for i'm just going to leave it You're going to put the fire out and you're going to minimise the damage as much as possible. It's the same for our planet. It's not something that we want to give up on. There is room and capacity to to reduce how much climate change will impact us. We have the time to try and minimise how much of an impact it will have by the end of this century. It's definitely something that we can work on. If you look at previous examples of where humanity has come together to find solutions, you know, we're very resilient. For example, with the hole in the ozone layer, we recognise that that was problem and we brought in laws to reduce the chemicals that cause ozone depletion and we're seeing that the ozone layer is starting to recover that's very very positive that was an international collaboration we have been slower to act on climate change because of the fact that our economy is so based on fossil fuels but we do have the capacity we already have the knowledge the technology and the resources that we need to minimize the impacts of climate change and that gives me hope and it's just a matter of finding the will to implement those so that we know we'll have a better planet for our kids and future generations and a better planet for all the different life that we share the earth with.
0: We're so grateful to the young people we spoke to at last Friday's climate strikes and those at Eat the Streets and of course Dr Noel Fitzpatrick for his time trying to explain our weather, the climate and how the two are related. Head to met.ie to find out more about the weather. And don't forget to follow Noel's own podcast, The Met Erin Podcast, to hear more stories from Noel and a host of really interesting guests. I hope this was helpful. I know I've learned lots from today, and I hope it was useful for you guys too. Knowledge is power. And the more we know about the changes coming down the track, the better we can prepare for them.
3: There's a bit of a delay almost in how the climate system responds. So we are, we are locked into a certain amount of change, certainly up to the, say, the middle of this century. Where we can have the most influence or impact is how Ireland will look and globally will look by the end of this century. We can really make meaningful strides to have a minimum impact of climate change if we sort of act now to reduce our carbon emissions. That's where we really feel the benefit of that. We can act now to see the benefits for the end of the century and for our kids and our kids' kids.
0: Oh no, hold up. I wondered, did Noel ever actually get to chase a storm like he talked about when he was a kid. Did you get to see a twister?
3: I did, yes. I am one of those people who, when they're uh, taking their holidays from the weather, goes and chases weather. So I've twice gone to the US to do some storm chasing with trained meteorologists, I should add. Generally, the, the storms in the U.S., things like tornadoes and these big thunderstorms, they occur at the end of the spring, and it's sort of the central U.S. states, places like Kansas, Oklahoma, places like that, get these massive big storms, and they have the potential to generate tornadoes. It generally, consists of you're, you're really carefully and closely watching the weather forecasts. You're trying to accurately predict where these storms are going to pop off, and you're trying to find yourself in the right place at the right time. I've seen some unbelievable storms, incredible storms they have amazing lightning, it's almost like being at a disco, so many flashing lights going on and uh, seen a couple of tornadoes as well, we keep a safe distance obviously we're interested in seeing uh, the storms we're not interested in being in them
0: there's no place like home there's no place like home, there's no place like home these ruby slippers don't seem to work oh wow, well. see you next time Ecolution is produced by Nikki Coughlin for RTE and it's presented by me, Evie Kenny. Here on Ecolution, we like to tell you all that we can about the climate crisis. But we're just one show. Well, we're happy to say we've teamed up with an amazing show in Canada called 10 Minutes to Save the Planet. If this episode has whetted your appetite for more stories around the climate, why not check out their podcast too?
3: Podcasts.